My question is, James, what have you been stockpiling? Because this is a this is a real thing. It's, it's happening in Glasgow. Oh, everybody's stockpiling everywhere. There's there's beans. There's rations on beans. We're only allowed one beans. There are per person. One tomatoes as well. One beet. Yeah, one pasta. <laughs> now I accidentally stockpile because the way I do my shopping is uh, do I get it delivered? Right. Because I'm real lazy, but also because that means I can get it all at once. Um, so I did like a huge big shop, and then. Uh, corona kicked off <laughs> so I had like I got all the pasta, I got all the beans you can't ration me <laughs> so basically you stockpiled unintentionally yeah I genuinely have like more pasta and beans than anybody else in Glasgow right now do, do you know actually I went shopping or rather myself and Graham went shopping last night went to Tesco and all the pasta was gone except for the wholemeal stuff which ironically was what we were looking for. So that's the good stuff, yeah. But people just were like, oh, I don't want any like brown pasta. I just want the white no, pasta. Pe- people, have, people have gone mad, um, and it makes sense. Stock up now because we are going to get quarantined eventually. Uh, well, that's the way you handle these things. But I, I feel we're, we're we're already starting the episode. We're meant to, this is like meant to be the light happy part before we get into oh, the real yeah. stuff. Man, I, I got I got so much pasta I could <laughs> swim in it. <laughs> I can. I'll just say at the moment I have. Uh, I'm currently, as you may be able to hear. I'm uh, finishing off some Cocoa Pops, which, ah. you know what? If there was like a ration on food, I have got enough cereal to last me until doomsday. Because the is, do you have enough milk? Milk is well, the thing that's hard to get in ration season. I do have like the weird like oat milk you can put in a cupboard for two weeks and it's fine. Ah, good. Just essentially like oat water. Yeah. I think uh, milk's kind of overselling it, but you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't think oat milk. Is really yeah. Those aren't the words I would use, but it works, and it's pretty great in some things. I like I oat like liquid, oat, oat liquid, liquid oat juice. It is oat juice. That's what all the milks is from the nuts and the grains and the stuff. It's just their juice, right? Okay, anyway. where it's like it's not cow juice. Like if you want to have a, real milk, I know there was like a thing in London where there was a, a cereal bar opened up, and you could. Sorry, I'll re- rephrase. A place where you can pay for bowls of cereal as opposed to like a right. a giant cereal bar you could buy in a, in a box. Yeah. Uh, a shop where you buy cereal. And I'm just, I'm, th- I'm considering, I can do one in my like outside the balcony of my flat because I've got Cheerios. Ah, just, just like bag them and chuck them down to the street. <laughs> got Cocoa Shreddies, got Cocoa Pops, I've got Shredded Wheat Honey Nut, I've got some porridge oats in there, man. I'm just all over it. So yeah, you know if there is uh, if if this is the end of the world, this is the apocalypse thing. Party of mine. Uh, you may not be able to chuck your sandwiches down out your windows from your flats, <laughs> but your cereal bags, possible. Right before we start the episode properly, um, because I feel we're we're kind of verging into this territory already. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Is there anything that people should be stockpiling that they're yet to do so? Because the only things that were really gone yesterday were the pasta, tins of stuff, <laughs> yeah. and toilet roll. It's just for real. If you feel like you want to stockpile, which is always a good idea anyway, I don't understand why we do this panic stockpiling. We should always be ready for these things, but (laughs) it's fine. Let's pretend that everybody's not. Just go and buy non-perishables. It's easy peasy. You don't need to buy like one specific type of food that's going to last you four months. Just go in the shop, buy anything that's got a long expiry date. And even if you don't get quarantined, you're gonna eat it anyway. It's great. Apple strudel. That's a good one. Oh yeah, it's a good one if you're, if you if the electricity is gonna last. Like <laughs> apple strudel wouldn't be great in like the nuclear apocalypse situation. Right. Okay. But in a virus situation where our infrastructure isn't probably gonna go down, yeah, strudel's gonna do strudel's it. Strudel's the winner. Freezer foods, fridge foods, but mostly just stuff that you can keep in a cupboard for a month without worrying about it. 
a year is even better and like several years oh wow <laughs> you're ready and on that note you no know, i've got like i had like tins of tuna because i like tuna pasta i had a billion pasta i had loads of beans Loads of cans of soup because I like cans of soup when I'm feeling super lazy. No pun intended. The the trouble the trouble for me is that I live with uh, a sibling of mine who is insanely lazy, <laughs> so hasn't bought any food or anything in prep. So if either one of us did actually get crinode, um, and we had to self quarantine. Cr- sorry, crinode. Crinode. That is that is the term. Uh, definitely. As opposed to coronad. Crinode. <laughs> It shortened down. <laughs> okay, fine. There's a wee apostrophe in there. He wouldn't be ready. He'd still be like getting food delivered and stuff, which is a risk, which is okay. But he'd probably just eat all my food. And that sucks. I spent money on that. <laughs> so you need to quarantine the kitchen, to be honest. I'll just move all my... I'll have an upstairs kitchen. I'll get, I'll get a microwave shipped in. And I will survive off all the food that I hide upstairs. And then the real kitchen will... Will have like decoy food. The worst comes to the worst. You do have a cat. I mean that. I know other countries. Do yeah, that. I'll send the cat out on on supply missions. She's she's a I mean, genius. I mean, I mean to eat the cat, but you know, never mind. I know. I'll just I'll get I'll say I'll say Zelda beans, and she'll know. <laughs> she'll go to Tesco, steal some beans. Well, she can she can stand on your shoulders at this point. So you know, it's not that big a jump to go from no, hey yeah. stand on my shoulders to hey go to Tesco and buy some beans. Just be- beans, not buy. She wouldn't buy. She's a cat. <laughs> They're sneaky. Seesaw Parade, episode 196. We draw ever closer to that fateful day, James. (laughs) What's going to happen first? Quarantine? Or episode whatever, 200. 200, man. Yeah. I don't know. I genuinely... <sighs> Quarantine. The, two weeks. What, yeah. We're getting quarantined y- in two weeks. You think so? Uh, well, if the government keeps handling it the way they have, which is kind of like not really testing many people for it, <laughs> and just hoping the numbers stay down. Well, if you're listening to this and you are in quarantine, welcome. <laughs> welcome to quarantine, everybody. Welcome to Quarantine Parade. Don't worry, there's a there's a there's a dearth of episodes. You can listen to us for an entire <laughs> two weeks. You could you could listen to us for two weeks and still have episodes to spare. But don't do that. There's like three good episodes. And and I don't <laughs> and know is, which ones. This is one of well, this is certainly one of them. It's off to a good start. Definitely. Okay, anyway, welcome to Seesaw Parade. I'm Colin and he is James. Yeah. And that's Zelda. Both at the moment, Corona's virus free. Maybe. I got a sniffly nose. I might be Corona. Touch wood. Like, literally everybody in the world might have Corona. And because all the governments aren't really testing people because we don't have the infrastructure to do it, yep. we just might not know. Okay, well, that's on that note. Welcome to Cease Operator again. This is the uh, the podcast that happens. Uh, your new favourite podcast and the uh, podcast with the longest running season one of any global podcast yes in the world so welcome thank you we are global thank you for listening and i appreciate everybody who has got in touch uh, including the likes of shanana Beatty. Oh. can i just say uh first of all again a reminder of how great that name is i wish i was called shanana because <laughs> people would just is like this what we do now do we just rate the names of people to get in touch that's not going to make people want to get in touch especially people that are like called we'll rate your name john please tell me 
you have a nickname that's at least someone calls you shenanigans. No, come on, don't start Surely. nicknames. All of them have been done. That's the problem. You're trying to think of a creative <laughs> nickname for someone that's got a, a non-boring standard name. They've got it before. Yep. There's no way that that's original. Nothing we could do is original. One of my uh, former colleagues at Radio Clyde was telling me about his uh, lack of luck with the ladies on Tinder. Ah. But in his Tinder profile... Is he swiping he, the right direction? He, well, he is, but this, right. is, this is the thing, right? So in his Tinder profile, he mentions that he works for Radio Clyde. And he says the amount of people who message him saying, well, you don't have a face for radio. Oh, And wow. he says, he, he's like, these people must think they're the first person who's, who's ever said that. No, I, wow. And yet, so, everybody says that to him. He's so creative. So in that way, anyway, I've, I've missed the point here. Shanana was uh, got in touch to say, I will have you know, I don't listen due to pity. I listen because you are my favorite Scottish nonsense outlet. Yes. So there. Yes. That's what we like. We can quit now. <laughs> and then uh, followed by a uh, a picture of Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek, which ah. I'm unsure what the reference is, but you might have to get back in touch to explain I mean, there's, it. A new, there's a new Star Trek, for sure. The, the new Picard but show it's, came but out. But it's the old one. Is, uh, did we talk about Star We didn't talk about that last week. No, the show came out. We didn't talk about the show. Oh, maybe it was... Oh, Amazon did a show. A sly reference to, hey, you need to talk about this new show. I don't know, but I'm just saying this, it's made a dot in my brain, and that dot is there's a show I haven't watched. Okay. Uh, and also to Izzy, who has uh, actually preempted one of the stories we're going to talk about today, which is the uh, delayed release of James Bond. But thank you for bringing that to our attention. Some say preempted. I say planted the seed. That is the story. <laughs> Perhaps she is the source of this story, indeed. Yes. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. Of course, if you would like to get in touch with Cease Operate, there are a multitude of ways of doing that. Uh, thank you for everybody who has, and thank you for those of you who do listen every single week and just are quite happily doing that. We appreciate you very much. If you're glumly doing it, we appreciate you too. And, and as I say, there is lots and lots of episodes for you to enjoy, but I would only start at a certain point because the early episodes are bad, but we've talked about that before. We'll delete them someday. Will we, though? No. They're good for posterity. No, I think we should just delete them. I mean, they are terrible, but yes. It's Risky Biscuits keeping them there. (laughs) Yeah, I I do fear that, you know, when um, you finally made it big as your own YouTuber with, you know, half a million subscribers and I finally (laughs) regain relevance in the world, that people will suddenly say, hmm, let's go and listen to every single episode of Cease Operate. And they'll find, like, one time I said something mean about Melissa McCarthy. One. One time, yeah. I'm done for. If anybody ever digs into this podcast, I'm done. (laughs) I've said so many dumb things. <laughs> no, but none of them have been... I don't think I've said any scandalous things, maybe. No, nothing questionable, nothing crossing the lineable. I've certainly lied, sometimes intentionally for funds, but sometimes unintentionally, I've cer- and then not apologised, because that would take a long time. I've certainly said things about colleagues who I, who I knew were not listening and have never listened. <laughs> However, if they were to ever go back through it... Now we got a problem. Right, yeah, we're going to do a running deletion of the show now. <laughs> we're just you, but you all better keep up. Right, James, what we're going to do, the two of us, we'll take a penultimate, we'll take an, an episode about, starting from episode zero, and if we feel it's worth deleting, once we've listened to five minutes, we'll delete it, right? <laughs> and we get rid of the numbering system, no one's ever going to know. Exactly. Okay, let's we actually... Get rid of, we don't just stop doing numbers, we get rid of them historically. <laughs> right. Okay, let's actually start the show for real and talk about 
uh, coronavirus, which is absolutely the story of the moment. Oh man, yeah, it is evolving. Well, hopefully, it's not actually evolving. So that would be bad. <laughs> that but, would, you know, yeah, the story I, is evolving. Yeah, I would agree. Now, this is. I'll, I'll start with my own tuppence worth. When we talked about this in January, there was at least one episode where coronavirus didn't even make the running order, and someone else actually we forgot about it for a week. Yeah. yeah, someone got in touch and said, "Hey, you should you should maybe talk about this." And I thought, yeah, I believe it was Izzy, the planter of stories. <laughs> Indeed, Izzy, the planter of stories, who had suggested actually we should talk about this. It's quite a big thing, and you know it was there for a couple of episodes, and then it disappeared. But now it is front and center demanding the world's attention item one starting with and i mentioned this is the start of the show people across the uk are panic buying in the wake or in the light of the fact that coronavirus cases globally are now in the six figures we have Mm -hmm. uh, 360 plus deaths in italy seven thousand cases Mm -hmm. the uk tally has jumped by 50 in the last 24 hours, and that yep. looks to be even bigger. We've had a couple of deaths this week as well. Too. Yeah, we're looking at a doubling tally every three, two to three days. Yeah, and we had a couple of deaths as well. Two elderly patients down in the south of England who had pre-existing, yeah. uh, pre-existing medical conditions. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much going on. South by Southwest, uh, probably the most eminent arts festival in the world, up, certainly up there, top three, has been cancelled. Mm-hmm. The Tokyo Olympics, there's discussion about that being cancelled. Well, it's probably getting cancelled. Smaller events are being cancelled everywhere, yeah, so everywhere. there's no way the Olympics makes the cut. It, it's the fact that South by Southwest got cancelled, and I think that's the first time in 30 years yeah. South by Southwest's not happened, or not happening, is yeah. an indication of the way things are going. In the United States, we're on 19 deaths over there, and it's yeah. had its uh, first cases in multiple states in the last yeah. week. They're failing over there, even worse than we are. Yeah, we'll get onto yeah. that in a minute. There's cruise ships around the world which are being quarantined. There's one off San Francisco, and there's ones off Japan and South Korea. In Asia, again, coronavirus is still increasing across most of the region. I am failing to see anywhere where any country said, actually, you know what, guys? We've got this under control. Cases are on the way down. Yeah, no, there's, Everything's fine. There are countries that have it under control. We talked about them before. Oh, um, no, I mean, I mean, the last week, though, every, everywhere seems to be going on the up. Well, so the headlines are picking up the countries that are okay. going up. But there's a lot of countries that are reaching plateaus. Even the cases within Korea have plateaued a wee bit. It's, not, it's no longer an exponential uh, number rising up over there. Well, before we talk about the panic buying, let's talk about Italy. The news today, this is Sunday, by the way, the news today is that Italy have quarantined 16 million people. Now, this is essentially a quarter of the country. Anyone living in uh, Lombardy or 14 other provinces will need special permission to travel, and that's including uh, people in Milan and Venice. Yes. Now, the Prime Minister, Giuseppe Conti, has also said that schools, gyms, museums, nightclubs are all going to be closed, as well as a host of other venues across the entire country. Absolutely. And this I would, this is the most radical set of, of uh, measures taken outside of China, and that lasts until... April the 3rd. Now, Italy does have the largest number of coronavirus infections in Europe. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, 7,000 plus cases, nearly 400 deaths. You got to quarantine. So, so James, this is 
to you, I mean, delving into your wealth of uh, scientific knowledge, this to you oh, seems so like the logistical step to take. Well, you have to. Sorry, the logical, the logical step to take. Logistical too, Colin, I will allow. Okay. Uh, you, you just have to. And granted, people are out there are all saying, quit panicking about it. It's not that deadly. But come on. It's about reducing the risk of all of the possible people who are really vulnerable to this getting it. You have to quarantine um, to save thousands and thousands of lives. Um, so while Italy uh, initially failed to contain the thing, like taking this drastic measure and um, harming your own economy for sure um, to save the lives of thousands of people is a great, a great move. And I hope other countries follow in their footsteps as needed because we're seeing quite a lot of, as I said before, leaders around the world prioritizing healthy economies over the health of its population. And that's going to end really poorly for anyone that's doing that. So while it maybe is a bit on the later end in terms of what they've done, they could have done smaller quarantines a bit sooner, uh, taking a huge big step to try and get everyone past the stage of infection is is impressive and needs to be done. You're right in saying that South Korea, they have taken steps to essentially deal with the crisis yeah. in that Italy is now second behind China in the highest number of cases. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, a good point there, James, the economy. The stock markets across the world have been plummeting mm -hmm. because of the fact that, for example, as you say, a quarter of Italy is now in quarantine and for the next month. Yeah. And do you expect that this is going to happen then in other places across the world as cases continue to rise? Yeah, we're seeing businesses being more prepared for the fallout of this than governments. So businesses all over the place are preparing their workers to work from home for however long, figuring out how to um, get them all the like tech they need to do their jobs from home or all the infrastructure in place to to bolster servers and whatnot all this like techie stuff that allows people to work from home businesses are going for it because they've realized that if they do get hit and most of their workers get sick uh, it's really bad if if they aren't working so we'll keep them working at home in a quarantine perfect and then governments are going to catch up eventually. And we're seeing the UK government is maybe going to offer everybody a grand to self-quarantine for some indefinite amount of time. Other governments are looking at similar things. But we are all run by the economy. Uh, this, this world is not a free one. It is a world of business where if things are bad for business, drastic action happens. But until it is bad for business, drastic action does not happen, as you see with climate change and all these things that are far more deadly than corona uh, but or covid i suppose but aren't as actively deadly to the rich but this time it's actually harming business so of course we're getting massive responses from all sectors okay let's uh, just hit some more of the coronavirus related headlines iran has also been really badly hit by this 2000 cases and reported 200 deaths although it's believed the figure is going to be much higher than that yeah. and like eight percent of their parliament or whatever is infected yep a thousand in Germany, thousand in France. Uh, as I mentioned, a couple of cruise ships off the coast of the US. Uh, Pope Francis delivered his first ever live streamed Sunday prayer to avoid the usual ah, crowds yeah, he's forming. Avoiding the crowds, yeah. Uh, said he was he was uh, close through prayer with those suffering from the epidemic. Uh, we've had mm -hmm. people in Colombia, Bulgaria, Costa Rica, Malta, the Maldives, and Paraguay all reporting their first cases. 
And now let's talk about the UK. The fact that, as we mentioned at the start of the show, panic buying has set in. Now, I just believed that this was, okay, maybe a few isolated cases down south in particular. However, I can confirm in at least two separate outlets I've been to in the last couple of days, panic buying in Glasgow is well and truly happening. Yeah. And it's definitely happening as well in Aberdeen. Yeah. But, and I'm sure it's happening elsewhere. It will be. That's what people do. Is there a legitimate cause for concern, James, do you think, for people to be doing this? Not at the scale that people have been, but this is this is the big problem that we face uh, in the societies that we currently live in. We're all just forced to live at the bare minimum of our means. So we aren't ready for these crises. We aren't ready for these situations. So when they come, we all have a huge big panic and try to become ready immediately. So you got to wonder, seeing the huge big panic that everybody's having, clearing the shops off, especially toilet paper, um, just how bad a deadly disease would be, like a properly, like even more infectious, even more deadly disease, like that would just tear us apart. We would not function for, for, for more than a couple of days. So I, I really hope that seeing this like globally spanning a virus is going to be a wake up call to the to the designers of our society the people that are pulling the strings and they got to realize that having everybody living not able to take a week off work without running out of money therefore working when they're sick and therefore spreading disease and therefore causing panic isn't working anymore get everybody living above their means, please, so they can all have enough money to take a week off work when they need to. Uh, would you say then that the UK's, UK government's response has been uh, deficient, maybe <laughs> inferior to what the actual situation is? The, um, they're trying to tell us all not to panic. Um, just, like, just, like, just like they did in, in World War II, keep calm and carry on. It just turns out that nowadays that doesn't work, no matter how many posters we've bought and mugs we've bought telling us all to just be British and be stoic. Haha, that's what we do. Nah, we're not stoic. Not not at all. So the government not telling us anything except just wash your hands and hope for the best isn't helping. They need to be telling us what to do, when to repair, how to repair, but they haven't really done that. They've released a huge big paper yeah. detailing like what might happen at different stages, but they're not keeping us up to date with which part we're at. And making it simple because people don't want to read a huge big paper. I've read it. It's really boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so nobody's going to bother reading that, even if it's going to save the lives of a bunch of old people and a bunch of ill people. There's there's another a, a couple other big stories which we're going to talk about. But finally, let's just uh, touch on this last uh, point, which is about the film Contagion. Now, I may have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that I actually decided to watch or rather rewatch. Contagion, which is a yeah, 2011 yeah, yeah. Steven Soderbergh movie. It's very good yeah. about the spread of a new virus, which ironically uh, also comes from bats and also comes from China. Uh, oh yeah, bats are the bats are the virus animal. Yes, yeah, so, oh indeed. Um, and the film itself, the film is really really good. It depicts a virus which has a far higher fatality rate than coronavirus does. However, yeah. it's depiction of how these viruses spread and how it's covered by the media and the different um, actors who are at, at work throughout various stages of uh, the progression of the disease. It's really, really interesting. And the, the news angle here is that the amount of people who are either renting this movie or illegally downloading it has spiked massively, Kelsa yeah, Breeze, ever since yeah. uh, coronavirus became a thing. Yeah. And... <laughs> 
I guess that's kind of what what happens. You have a story which has a relevant movie, and you go and watch it because then you feel even more like part of. Oh, this is this is actually real. This is actually happening, which is part of the reason why I watched it. Or maybe everybody's watching it because they heard that you did, and they want to emulate you. But that's what people. This is what people do. Uh, people people like to find a connection to the current world that they live in, and because we've all been told to panic about this. We're all watching the relevant media, including films. It's a, it was a bit of a good film, though. Some clever thing is going on, like the lingering shots on the areas that are yeah r- contagion risk. It makes sense that everybody's watching this. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about let's the democratic. Wait, 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 wait. Let's just make fun of Trump for a second again. Why? Uh, the only thing he cares about is keeping the reported number of infections down so much that when they got cruise ships uh, docking. Trump does not want to add those numbers to the total U.S. tally because it is not his fault that they have the disease. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I didn't know that. No, they've been handling it terribly over there. It's just about keeping the number, the reported numbers down. Everything that they were saying China was doing, they're doing now. (laughs) Doesn't surprise me. Uh, No. Let's chat about the Democratic primaries, which have been taking place over the last week or so in the States. We had Super Tuesday in which 14 different states declared who they wanted to be the Democratic candidate to face Donald Trump in this November's election. Now, last week we were discussing that it was essentially a two-horse race between Sanders and Biden. And ultimately, if Sanders was to uh, to get the nomination, then Super Tuesday was going to be crucial. It turned out that Joe Biden actually came out I would say on top out of the two. Oh yeah, and we'll discuss we'll discuss this uh, in just a minute. But in terms of people who have uh, dropped out, we had Michael Bloomberg who has spent reportedly four hundred million dollars <laughs> of his own money on his own campaign. It's five hundred million. He's away. Good. Elizabeth Warren is also away. She started really really strongly and faded significantly, so she's out. Yeah, yeah. She made a few real bad moves. Yeah, Amy Klobuchar is out, and Pete. Buttigieg is also out. Yes, yes. Those two relevant to Biden's victory. Right, exactly. And I believe that all three, or certainly the last two, have now backed Joe Biden, as has uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah. I'm not sure if anyone has actually backed Sanders yet, Yeah, in terms of high-profile ones. Yeah, Warren's the most likely to back him, but she did also try to take him down. And fail, so it would be kind of awkward for her to actually back him now. Right, James. Uh, just, just uh, when we let's talk about Super Tuesday before uh, we go into the people who have um, right since bowed out. Yeah, but in terms of um, what happened, Joe Biden certainly came into it hoping that his momentum would translate into some big wins, and it kind of worked out like that. Yeah, he got big wins. He's he's now the front runner for now. Right. So, so talk me through what you believe is happening at the moment. So the the establishment. Um, nominees gathered together and realized that Joe had the most momentum after he won a state. So before Super Tuesday came and went, two of the candidates that were kind of stealing Biden's votes dropped out. I'm sure they got asked to very politely and got promised many good things for dropping out before the big day. Um, So that's Pete and, wait, I forgot Klobes first name because i'm dumb amy amy <laughs> it's amy klobuchar so that's pete and amy dropping out before super tuesday entirely to get all the moderate democrats voting democrats voting for one 
person, that being Biden. And it worked. Uh, he got a far bigger share of the vote than was expected while everybody was still in the race. Um, Warren and Sanders split the progressive vote and Bloomberg existed. So seeing Warren drop out, we're looking at a potential for Bernie to have uh, a bigger share of the vote in return. But the the huge big thing is that the the, the moderates made the move first and they, they swept the big day. Right. There's going to be lots more big days, but because they amalgamated under one ailing old person, uh, <laughs> they managed to get more states than people expected and have taken uh, the lead. I mean, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, hold on, Bernie Sanders isn't exactly a spring chicken himself. Oh, he is also ailing and old, but he's a good ailing old person. He's had fewer big old flubs than Biden. Biden going so far as to this week say that only Trump can win and then to say we, they, people must vote to re-elect Trump and all this mess up. So those are a bit right. paraphrased. But just because he had a bit more of the vote, the the establishment rich boys uh, asked everybody else to drop out and give him their support. So they did. And now it's just a race between people trying to emulate what they did to take down Bernie last time and Bernie trying to fight it a bit better than he did last time. Okay, so basically, yeah. as you say there, it's now set up between Sanders and Biden, but Biden seems to be heavily backed by basically everyone. Yeah. So Sanders has his work cut out, out for him. Yeah. He's got, he's got a lot of uh, Latino support, at least. Yeah, and he's getting some big names in the black community coming out to, to give him their support, if not the votes yet. But we'll see if that makes a big difference. And also the... Uh, and this has been the theme of both of his campaigns in the last four years. He does have a lot of the younger voters yeah. pulling for him. He's got a lot of younger intended voters, and then they don't bother voting because young people are dumb. Well, yeah, that's that's uh, it. So we're seeing not a not a not too terrible increase in their percentage of young people voting, and it's it's not really helped um, because that is one of Sanders's big bases is the youth because they actually care about the future. So we'll see where it goes. We got now, Bernie's got more than one day to retool his campaign to be a one-on-one -on -one rather than a big old mash, mesh, mash. There we go. The One of the big reasons he didn't win as big on Super Tuesday is because his campaign had been gearing up to have it be a big old free-for-all. But then it switched to a one-on-one -on -one right at the end. So now he's had more time to retool uh, change the way his campaign's working, hope for more debates one-on-one, -on -one, stuff like that. and uh, Things might still swing positively for him, but the number of people behind Biden is looking scary and not good for the world. Okay, let's uh, move on to our final big story of the week, and this is about the airline Flybe, which on ah, yes. Thursday, just a few days ago, uh, went into administration. The airline has collapsed. It is uh, Europe's biggest regional airline, or sorry, it was Europe's biggest regional airline, and mm -hmm. analysts are now saying it could be the start of more casualties because of coronavirus and the fact that it is putting the kibosh on so many flights, uh, as well yeah. as company travel. Uh, for example, with Pink Elephant, our biggest client, Amadeus, have told everybody that all travel, unless it is absolutely essential, yeah. has been stopped up until coronavirus is over and done with. Well, yeah, we're probably going to see all non-essential travel in general stopped by governments right. soon. So. so let's just talk about Flybe. So Flybe has essentially flown too close to the sun on a couple a couple of occasions. And, oh man, uh, they've been rescued like, I don't know how many times in living memory. Right, yeah, exactly. And so it's, 
now been predicted that Flybe's collapse will likely be the first of many. Now, 16 yeah. routes across the UK, including some essentially lifeline services from the Channel Islands, mm-hmm. uh, have now been taken over by Logan Air. But now the chat is that how sustainable those very, very small routes are. Yeah, they might just get cancelled They might well. just, yeah, they might just chuck them all together. Uh, James, is this the way it's going to go then that you mentioned there? Well, yeah, I, this is kind of inevitable because just like coronaviruses of any type, including COVID, whatever number it is, 19, I can't remember anymore, uh, are inevitable. These global pandemics even though people aren't calling it a pandemic yet are always going to come and it's always going to shut down travel and it's always going to shut down travel for half a year maybe if you're really unlucky so all the airlines that are running month to month just trying to get by and they can't have one month that goes wrong otherwise they're going to be laying off staff or trying to ask people to take paid unpaid leave they're going to collapse well but it's the airline industry uh, loads of them are managed in such a way that we have to just keep going at all times, otherwise we're done. Yeah. Now, just just well, you mentioned unpaid leave at this point. Cathay uh, Pacific, who run a number of flights, a uh, number of routes across Asia, have asked uh, staff to take three weeks of unpaid leave. Yeah. And even Emirates, who are absolutely massive, have asked staff to take a week of unpaid leave, mm-hmm. which is simply because yeah. it's predicted that airlines globally could lose up to £113 billion worth of revenue over this next three to six month period, simply because of coronavirus. Yeah, and some of them have been managed in such a way that they've got a big old stockpile of money to use in these crises. And then what they're they're betting on these crises happening, killing the competition so they can gobble up all the, all the scraps. And it's working for them this time. Um, but we're seeing this unpaid leave thing happening in the airline industry. It's going to be happening in all industries. Sadly, most countries in the world uh, are set up in such a way that people can't really afford to take an unexpected week off or two weeks off or more. And the government's going to step in and save the day in all these ways. And most governments aren't doing that. So... Uh, Unlucky, everybody. Okay, and on that noise, we'll uh, move on and talk about some movie news. The first one, of course, being related to coronavirus, and this is the fact that No Time to Die, the 25th Bond movie, is now coming out in November Mm -hmm. instead of April. It was Mm -hmm. due out in about four weeks' time, but the release has now been put back by seven months. The producer said they'd uh, moved the release after careful consideration and thorough evaluation of the global (laughs) theatrical marketplace, which, by the the way wow. is code for China have shut down all their cinemas and they are Sega's second biggest market. This yeah. film is going to bomb unless yeah. we hold it back. It's not really careful analysis. It's, it's oh wow, all the cinemas are going to be closed for, for a few months. Let's not release films. Yeah. Now this was this is going to again. You mentioned there, James. This is going to have a real knock-on effect for so many industries. The yeah. movie one being one in particular because. Since China is now the second biggest market by some margin for Hollywood movies, there's a lot of big blockbuster movies coming out in the next few months. Now, there may well be more movers and shakers in the coming weeks, but the fact that Bond have, the, well, the makers of Bond have got out in front of this like a month before to say, actually, let's put this back to November is, whilst it's frustrating, it makes sense, I guess. A lot of sense. 
yeah. you know, look, they want you got to wait. They wanted to to make as much money as possible. It's basically one of the biggest films of the year. Okay, fine. Yeah. So they get it. They put it into November because then we've got all of the summertime where the hospitals are less packed out. Um, where everybody gets dealt with, potentially everybody's okay, but November is just before flu season again and and COVID part two, so perfect time to release all your films. Okay, right, before we get to some... <laughs> I mean, it, it's just ruthless. It's, it's capitalism again, it, it but is. it makes sense. It's logical. Well done. You delayed your film. Okay, before we uh, finish up with some other bits of movie news, I have uh, seen... A movie Whoa. this week, James, and it looks like you have seen one and a, a TV show. So I'm gonna and a TV. I'm show. gonna go to you first, seeing as you got two and I got one. Uh, what would you like to talk about first? Oh, uh, I'll we'll talk about film first. Okay, now this is this is an, an older movie. It came out a couple of years ago, 2017 or something. Yeah, I, I watched on Netflix and kind of in the background, but I watched it. Kong, Skull Island. Now this is the I want to say follow up slash monsters universe film which has samuel l jackson in it yeah 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 right. yeah so it's from the same monsters universe as the godzilla films. that's the one and this was them setting up their their kong so they can have king kong versus godzilla soon and everybody's gonna see it because it's amazing yeah and <laughs> now genuinely this film does everything you want it to you just want a dumb film with cgi and and dumb and like really dumb characters uh-huh. do, doing really dumb things excellent film it's got it's got guns it's got helicopters it actually has some pretty great stylistic choices it's got some pretty great story moments it's also got some really weak story moments and uh, it kind of is a bit longer than it needs to be they don't they don't earn how long it is very well just i'm just having flashbacks of this movie brie larson is in it yeah who is the lead male couldn't tell you at this <laughs> that's point. a question it's, been a, it's not chris it's, pratt i watched this more than the, a week ago let's put it that way <laughs> it's tom hiddleston it's tom hiddleston it is it's tom hiddleston there we he's go. doing his thing he's got his muscle tee on <laughs> and he's running around with guns forgettable generic british male one of the other people that seems to be a protagonist is that is that british actor that was in an episode of black mirror and was also in a monster calls and then he just gets like sliced all of a sudden in this film. I was Ooh. like, oh, okay. I don't know who you're talking about. He also is playing Kong. Well, it's not Andy Serkis, is it? No, 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 no. Andy Serkis played the other Kong. <laughs> it's okay. This is, yeah. Oh, no, 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 Andy no. Serkis... It's, it's, I know it is. It's uh, Toby Kebbell. Yeah, yeah. He's a, Yeah, he's a good guy. I like him. I always, he's one of those actors that he pops up and I'm like, why do I know him? And I look and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I know him. He was he's great. He was also one of the main apes in the recent Apes franchise. But yeah, he does a lot of he does a lot of motion cap now. Ah, he's a good guy, um, apparently. Um, so no, the film it's just dumb. It's and it's and it's got explosions and it's got guns and people get killed in all kinds of ways. Not as many as I would have hoped, because of the glut of ways that people died in the previous um, <laughs> Kong film. I mean, the, the so the previous one. Just to talk about this because I do remember Kong Skull Island and I remember I enjoyed it. It's like but, it's pretty good for bad films, like right. But 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 it was compared to the Naomi. Oh, John C. Riley's excellent. Well, yeah, okay. But going back to the two thousand and one, say two thousand and three, King Kong with yeah, Naomi early Watts, 2000s. Jack Black, Andy Serkis, Adrian Brody. I thought that film was great. I think it still holds up today. No, genuinely, people hate on that film a lot. And I love it. I think it's a good film. It's just so like again, it's 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 similar in a way. It's very huge, and it's also really <laughs> dumb. 
<laughs> so if you go into these films expecting like heartwarming moments and huge big story things that are life changing and are going to change your perspective on something, nope. Do you know? Just... But if you go into these films as <laughs> wanting to to be entertained and see dumb things happen, yes. Do you know the only thing I disliked about? I'm just having this flashback now to the original King Kong. The sorry, original the original 2003 uh, yeah, the first reboot, <laughs> the first new one, the 2003 King Kong, and you may recall this. The final scene on the actual island when s- some dude smashes a jar of chloroform over Kong's head and he passes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, fil- the film fades to black and then it reopens and suddenly they're in New York and they've like... You've, they got Kong back on a tiny wee boat. You've skipped over the whole part when you... How did she manage to get this giant ape on a tiny boat back to New York? That's why. And what, that's why. I know that's they why. They didn't know the answer. But just thinking about it, I thought, well, that's just such a stupid yeah. movie-making choice. Anyway, that's yeah. not the film you were uh, yeah. watching. That's not the one. That's not the way this film goes. This film is entirely setting up big monster fights, right. but made by Hollywood, um, the series. <laughs> And it, genuinely, like it's not it's not a great film, but if you just don't need to think for a couple of hours <laughs> and you've got some good snacks, this is a pretty good film. Okay, for that. right. Let me tell everybody you, everybody does their role very well. There's a couple of characters that I think are completely unnecessary, <laughs> but everybody else does their role pretty well. <laughs> so I, I give it a thumbs up. Right. Let me tell you about uh, what I've been watching. It is Dark Waters, which just came out in the UK ah, a few yes. days ago. It is the new Mark Ruffalo film. It's directed by Todd Haynes. It also has Anne Hathaway, Bill Pullman, and Tim Robbins among the high-profile cast. It's a Mm. true story. It's about the chemical environmental defense lawyer who decides to actually represent this poor wee guy whose 190 cows have died because this big chemical engineering firm called DuPont are knowingly poisoning the water in this Imagine small time corporations being evil exactly in this small town of uh, parkersburg in virginia now because it's a true story and it's a fairly well-known story it lacks any sort of real drama or tension because you know how it's going to pan out you know that eventually the big bad corporation are going to get have to pay their dues and the, the lawyer yeah. despite all the stress and strains he's going under he's he's going to be the hero at the end of it be- right. because that that's just the way the and that, that's the way the film naturally goes it's yeah i know. do i do kind of want to see the films where the the good guy loses and just how sad that is well so just mercy which came out a couple of months ago which i i talked about i said it was very similar it had the same like oh is he is he going to is he going to get out is he going to stay in yeah, and you yeah, always yeah, knew yeah. he was going to be fine and, uh-huh. and it's the same for this film now that's probably the main criticism i'd have in that it lacks any sort of real tension however mark ruffalo is very very good uh, Anne hathaway's you know even when she's phoning it in is clearly still good value um, <laughs> yeah. and bill pullman is yeah bill pullman's bill pullman tim robbins mm-hmm. just looks like the guy from shawshank because he is but also he's just much he older is, now yeah, that's him. He's yeah. And the that's other, what he's been doing since he escaped. The other thing the film does is it it jumps through so many different years and uh, you know decades because it's a story uh, which has been running and running and running. Yeah. But none of the actors age even a little. <laughs> the only oh, seriously years later, yeah. he's like grown some stubble. Seriously, like Tim Robbins, when you first meet his character, he's an old white-haired gentleman. 
and then 16 years later he is still an old yeah. white-haired gentleman and mark ruffles character also does not change at all the only person who has a noticeable change is anne hathaway who goes from a 90s perm to a modern 2014 uh, the haircut. haircut the haircut aging that's the classic way to age so give him a different haircut I, I know that certainly let's say four months ago dark waters was mentioned in sort of oscar chat at the start the only yeah. category I'd say you come even remotely close but still fall short is Mark Ruffalo. He's he's great, but right. as a whole, it's just very by the numbers. It's very pedestrian. Okay. But it's like, it's, again, if, if you want to see Mark Ruffalo act well... Yeah, if you want to see him actually acting. In a, another courtroom drama, which you yeah. honestly don't need, then go watch this. You could do much worse. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, James, you've uh, watched a TV show before we wrap up. Tell me. Just over a week ago, I finished watching the final season of Mr. Robot. Hey. And I believe I've talked about all the previous seasons as I saw them, and quite a lot of the trailers too. And this this is one of my top, top, top shows. It has okay. finished really well. Because a lot of shows are excellent and the final season lets you down. Uh, this, one, this one pulled through, and it kept doing all the stuff you want from it. Um, it had issues. This, the bad guys' motivations are lacking and unexplained. There's a few characters whose motivations are unexplored and it leaves a lot of loose threads at the end that you're kind of wanting to see what happens. But I think their idea is that... I, I think in every case, you don't technically need to see what happened. They have had their character moment that made that made it work. But they hit some huge, huge resonant moments in this season. We're talking... Un, like unexpected character depth, and I thought there was huge amounts of character depth already. The more the show went on, but they they had some incredible moments that I, I'm pretty sure were award winning um, when award season rolled around for it. One of the episodes is acted out kind of like a kind of like a, a theater play, an actual stage play, and it is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. Okay, and one of the main reasons it's one of the best episodes is just one of the random side characters from previous seasons nails it and comes sweeping back in this season and absolutely gets their part perfect, plays their role. And there's this one episode where everything comes to a, to a, to a point And my goodness, it's one of the best episodes of TV I've seen. Like this is, this is up at breaking bad levels of how much I've enjoyed a show. Really? Yeah. And like, okay. there was a wee bit of drama between season three and four between certain actors in the show. <laughs> and it, it's kind of obvious that they refused afterwards to act in the same place as each other. <laughs> and that's one of the weaknesses. But yeah, in terms of like being satisfied with the way a story went, but also realizing that you've watched a bunch of people be truly awful, but you can still kind of root for them to do good things too. Right. This is one of those shows. Okay. It is amazing let's move on i do have that on my list i will start watching it soon in the most surprising movie news of the week let's start with this christian bale the multi-time oscar nominee yeah. has yeah, been the cast, superhero hating yes actor. absolutely has reportedly been cast as the main villain in thor 4 yeah which is uh called love and thunder for those of yeah. you who are still remembering the list of marvel films to be released in the next five years this is yeah, uh yeah, yeah. apparently they've been in talks since january and uh he's now officially on the team he's in 
He is in. Now He's this be in another superhero film. This is very surprising for me because, okay, first of all, Christian Bale has been t- from someone who's been growing up during the time frame of the Nolan movies, the iconic yeah. Batman. Because yes, yes. Th- yeah, because that was the Batman I grew up with. However, well, like he was in a lot of ways. To see someone like this who is very choosy about the films he does. Yeah. I am very surprised to see that Christian Bale is now in a Marvel film. What's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I'm I'm very optimistic because it must it must be good, right? Because like he's had some dud films in his past. Yeah. But in terms of picking his superhero films, he's done pretty well. He picks the good ones. Um and sure he picked those primarily because Nolan was doing them and he believed in Nolan. But to for him to come in and see this one and go, hey, I'll do another of the genre films that I don't really like means that there must be something good right. in the script and in the plan for this film. Okay, let's move on. The first images for Matt Reeves' reboot of The Batman have been released. Only three images, yeah. which looks like... I'll, I'll attempt to describe certainly the first one, the first couple. Looks like Batman standing outside a black Ford Mustang with a few modifications. Muscle. Muscle mobile, yeah. Right. What do you think of these? They're, they're kind of gritty Batman, as you'd expect. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm liking it. it. And it is a... It, 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 at first glance... There we go. Words arrived. At first glance, it looks like another generic Batman. Right. What are we looking at? But you think about it a little bit more and you realise this just does look like a muscle car. It doesn't look high tech. I would agree. It doesn't look like what we've seen so far or in recent memory from Batman stuff. His suit also looks a bit low tech because this film is set in the early days of Batman. Well, he's being a but detective. But it isn't an origin story. Yeah. So he's 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 got not he doesn't have so much of the high tech stuff. He is rich, so he can afford it to up to to do up a muscle car to a high degree and get the best of the body armor. Uh, but but they have conveyed that he's inexperienced and low tech in the car choice and the costume choice, I think, and it looks really good to me. Okay, moving on. Penultimately, this week on Season Parade, Taika Waititi, who is of course doing Thor: Love, uh, Love and Thunder, yeah, has yeah. been confirmed to be doing a couple of animated shows for Netflix. The first one of which being Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. James, Ju- yeah, a Charlie Chocolate Factory story. I don't. Re- I think that he's expanding the universe. Right. Of- the Chocolate Factory. So he's taking on some Roald Dahl, including Charlie. But he's the 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 the, the spin is that it is exploring Oompa Loompas in a way that <laughs> they haven't been explored. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure there's many ways the Oompa Loompas haven't they're been del- explored. They're, del- they're delving into the story of Oompa Loompas. <laughs> right, <laughs> like we haven't, like we haven't in pre- previous ventures. Okay, and it's the funniest way to sell to sell a story. I love it. Like <laughs> of all the things to try and to try and do a spin on, it's the Oompa Loompas. Well, and the thing is, if you were so ever going to give no way, there's no way that this isn't just a massive army of mini Taika Waititi's. If well, exactly, and also, if you were ever going to give that kind of project to a movie director working in 2020, it's Taika Waititi. No, yeah, you got to trust Taika with this okay. to try and do something new with with the Chocolate Factory story. It, yeah, so I actually am optimistic. As much as I don't really want more Charlie and Chocolate Factory stuff, because we had one recently. Yeah. And we've got the classic, and that's all we really need. Yeah, if they want to do something new with it, go ahead. As long as it's new, I've got my eyes on. I got my eyes on this one. If it's if it is actually new, I'm keen. If it's just another rehash of a story that we've seen before, 
Boo. To finish us off this week, a classic seesaw parade handbrake turn. Boo. And this is the news that the International Criminal Court has ruled that an investigation of alleged war crimes in the Afghan conflict can go ahead. Yeah. Now, this was, uh, they overturned the, uh, uh, on appeal, a previous decision to block the investigation looking into the actions of the Taliban, the Afghan government, and US troops since May 2003. Now, just yeah, to, yeah, yeah. before I ask you, James, the Secretary of State for the US, Mike Pompeo, said the ruling oh, was man, reckless. Yeah. And uh, said it's a truly breathtaking action by an unaccountable political institution masquerading <laughs> as a legal body. James. Hmm. Hmm. Unaccountable, apart from the fact that they get voted in by the member nations. Hmm. No, but the, right. The US are not a member of the ICC. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So they're not accountable to the US. That's his problem. Is that they they are not entirely held accountable to the leadership of the US, and therefore they might actually say, "Hey, United States, you did war crimes." And the U.S. doesn't want to acknowledge that it did that. And last year, the Trump administration imposed travel restrictions and other sanctions on officials from the ICC. Yes. So the U.S. have been doing the war crimes since the term was put onto paper. That's their thing, is going into other nations and committing war crimes, overthrowing governments, generally being shady, and then not getting investigated and not getting it on the record because they are the ones that are in charge. So they don't they don't actually care about the ICC. They want everybody else to get investigated and they want everybody else to get whatever punishment you get for war crimes these days. But the US wants to be to, to be unaccountable for all the atrocities it does. So of course they're gonna take offense to the to the investigation because they of course did war crimes. Right. It's the United States. Well let me ask then James as a final question is this simply just a political move to make the ICC look good? Because they have been, in the past, criticised for only going after, say, smaller African nations and their alleged war crimes. Well, they're probably trying to step up. I don't think it's just to make themselves look good. Maybe they've got some new movers and shakers, so to speak, that actually want to get big names on the record, right? They want to actually investigate where it matters most, which is all these nations that are presenting themselves as the peaceful interventionists, when really they're the ones that are going in and starting off like massive amounts of terrorism in the world. So I don't think it's going to have any impact if they try to, let's say, take any of the US um, perpetrators into custody. We might have a full-blown invasion on our hands. Uh, because that is the current plan of the United States. If anybody does end up getting taken into the Hague and held, they will invade right. to free them. Right. <laughs> that sounds like the good guys, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, on that note, James, we are going to have to end. Time is gone. How do people get in touch if they would wish to do so, as we would indeed wish them to do so? I, uh, please, if you got long-form chat that you want to send our way, or I reckon several pictures of your dog, maybe, or other pets, you can email them to seesawparade at gmail.com. So, yeah. If you want to send, like, a smaller number of pet pictures and or a smaller number of words, you can tweet them to Seesaw Parade. That is the preferred method of um, contact for most of you. Emails are going under the radar a wee bit. I'll email the show. I'll make up for it. (laughs) You can also Snapchat while that still exists. Same name. Uh, And if you see us in person, say... Hello. Yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the best way of communicating. That's it. You just you don't have to say more than that. Okay, James, it's been a pleasure. I will chat to you next week. Hi, it's been grand. Cheers, Colin. Uh goodbye, listeners, and goodbye war crimes. <laughs> nope. 
It's, I, I can't allow that. It's just not good. Goodbye, war crimes. No more war crimes. <laughs> but they're still going to be around. I declare you're not allowed to do them anymore. <laughs> Goodbye, war crimes. Okay, by James. <laughs>